Hello and welcome to the debut episode of It's Not a Buffalo, the show where we discuss the science and technology that will save the world. My name's Ben, I'm made entirely of deoxyribonucleic acid, and joining me is Jack, he's made of hope and coffee. Jack, how are you? There's a giant spike in the audio from when I said twa at the beginning of our counting for this recording. It looks That's beautiful. good to know. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. I think I've got some uh, some great stories for the show ahead. Have you found anything interesting in the in the news today or over the last few weeks? Um, yeah, there's there's a couple of fun sciencey sciencey things that we've <laughs> happened in the last couple of weeks, and I suppose we should give like thirty seconds to yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, that that's the thing that happened. I was thinking, I mean, when the story popped up, uh, one of my first thoughts was, I'm so glad that I got to see it just, just a few weeks ago. Uh, in mm. Yeah. Did you yeah, go inside? We went inside and, and saw it all, and it is an incredibly beautiful building, and um, it's devastating mm. to see what's happened, actually. But... Yeah, it's... Did you see the video of the... Uh, French people singing Ave Maria. I did. Yeah, yeah, Tara sent that on to me. It really is. And uh, I I see that there's already been a couple of French billionaires have agreed to put 300 million euros into restoring it and uh, and fixing the damage, uh, to which a lot of people have replied, if only they'd do that for other disasters such as planet Earth and climate change. Didn't they try that though with Trump? Like loads of people put money into him, and that yeah, that's true. Him. I mean, he he's still got two years left at least, so maybe he's just you know lots of plotting in the background, and then it's all going to be a massive reveal towards the end. <laughs> he takes off his hat, and it's like I was a bum all along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be the greatest twist of American politics ever. The weirdest Yogi Bear episode ever. <laughs> What are we going to do with all this capitalism, boo-boo? <laughs> oh, I want to say capitalism basket, but it doesn't quite work. No, not quite. Picnic. Like, <laughs> capitalism. Yeah, there's like, like one more, one bikinic. extra syllable. Yeah. There's too many syllables. It's a yeah. shame. Yeah. If only they'd had that in oh. mind when they were writing that show. You could do like a really dodgy Italian stock the market, <laughs> boo-boo. That would work. That's the right number of syllables. It is. It is. Okay, we have a new catchphrase. This yeah. is this will be our once we've launched this podcast, we're gonna <laughs> relaunch Yogi Bear. Uh, we're gonna get the rights to it somehow. They can't be that expensive, right? I are they still owned by Has is it Hasbro? It's one of the big cartoon lots. No Hasbro, Hasbro toys, toys, aren't they? Big cartoon network. It's, yeah. Yeah, oh it probably is. Also I love that our there. thirty seconds of Notre Dame has turned into talking about Yogi Bear reboots. Well, I, I mean, what, what else good has come out of this week? Black holes. Oh, Should, that yeah, was pretty black cool. Black holes, which is ironic because stuff never <laughs> good comes out of them. But <laughs> I know that was really cool, though. I really liked. I liked the zoomed out photo. I think you posted. Yeah, both I posted of them, the art, the NASA article that had them both, and obviously everyone's kind of zoomed into the the mm. eye of Sauron, which is the actual black hole, and. Um, and I press mm. the zoomed out one where you can just see all this mass of orange matter being warped into this tiny little uh, black hole in the in the middle. And I think that one looks incredible. And it's just, I mean, the, the, the numbers are just mind-boggling. It's 6.5 billion times mm. bigger than the sun. It's bigger than the entire solar system. And it's 55 million light years away. 
and obviously it has the huge event horizon and the the five Schwartz field radius, which mm. is some bit I didn't understand. But then I did see that uh, someone was t- tweeting about how they were annoyed it was quite blurry, and I was like, give them a break. I I can explain what a Schwarzschild radius is. This <laughs> this is the thing I can bring to this conversation. <laughs> so. Um, a Schwarzschild radius is the radius that uh, a ball of matter of any given size um, would have to be in order for it to implode into a black hole. Right. So it's the point at which the gravity will overcome the electrical force that pushes shiz apart. And I think one important thing to talk about is the the photo that was going around of uh, Dr. Katie Booman, I think that's how you say her name, who was the person who wrote the algorithm uh, th- that you know allowed them to find the black hole and it mm. depresses me so much that despite her incredible accomplishment and she's only 29 and she's made this one of the biggest scientific breakthroughs just from the media coverage just judging from the media coverage and uh, she's immediately been attacked by mm. trolls and people creating fake social media accounts for her and it's just awful the, the some of the response that she's had when she's made this this massive achievement yeah, it kind of sucks to be a woman on the internet in general. Is the that's the impression yeah. I get. Um, yeah, but more power to her. Like algorithms stick around longer than trolls. That's true, and um, and actually, you know what? This this leads me on to the next story I really want to discuss, uh, which is another uh, great story about women in science, which is that the Abel Prize, uh, which is called the Nobel Prize, the equivalent of a Nobel Prize in mathematics, was won mm. by a woman for the first time. Uh, whose name uh, I don't think I can pronounce. Um, it's Karen. I know the Karen, but then it's uh, Keskula Ullenbeck of the University of Texas uh, won this prize uh, just uh, just a couple of months ago, I think. Am I thinking of Fields meddling? No, this is the, the Abel Prize. It's uh, it's six million Norwegian kroner, um, first awarded in 2003 to one of the 19th century Norwegian mathematician, Niels Henrik Abel. And uh, a very prestigious prize from, from what I can gather. But yeah, a woman won it for the first time. Uh, and I think... So her work is the fundamental work in geometric mm. analysis and gauge theory, which has dramatically changed the mathematical landscape. Uh, I think you're you're more of a, a maths aficionado than I am. So can you explain to the listeners what that actually means? What field theory is? Or, no. Or just, like, I can't explain her <laughs> prize at all. Like, there's no... <laughs> there's no hope of me doing that. No, probably not. Um, um, you know what, I'm going to find the actual... I don't know if she got any specific... Mm. Uh, if it was for a specific study or anything, or just for the amount of work that she's done. I think it's one of those kind of like lifetime achievement awards. Mm. But the only thing it says is uh, she covered mm. fundamental work in geometric analysis and gauge theory. What's your next story, Jack? So mine was, um, I saw it today on NASA's like um, story on Facebook. Um, they were just surveying the atmosphere of the moon and all of the dust and gas and stuff that circles it. Um, and they accidentally found evidence of water <laughs> on the moon. Yeah, for uh, for listeners at the moment, Ben has just expressed shock facially. Um, <laughs> I forgot you could see me. I'm on a video <laughs> call and Jack isn't, so Jack can see me and I can't see him. Yeah, it... uh, we should also say for the listeners because obviously we don't have any yet because this is the debut mm. episode that uh, I am based in one European country and Jack is based in another. Mm. And uh, the first people to guess correctly 
have the satisfaction of knowing they were the first people to guess correctly, but they'll never have that confirmed by us because we don't want to be stalked. So they actually won't have the satisfaction of knowing they guessed correctly. Maybe they'll just know internally that they got it right. Someone was talking about unreciprocated love to me the other day, um, and I pointed out that unreciprocated love is stalking. <laughs> yes, probably. I suppose it depends on what you do with your unreciprocated mm. love. Are you just looking at a picture of them on your wall? Oh, yes, definitely. It's a scale, isn't it? Like, yeah. if it's if it's just having a poster up, then, you know, that's quite normal if they're a celebrity. If they're, like, your neighbour, that's weird. Um, yeah, I'd say so. I, I'd say, I'd say. This definitely isn't just, like, the astronaut waste from the first moon landing that were just left there floating around because there's obviously nowhere else for it to go. Because I presume they just eject that out into space because there's no point in carrying it with them. Yeah. Because that's going to look really dumb if NASA make this announcement and then turn around and say, actually, it's just 70-year-old urine. Amen. I met a guy called Eamon over the weekend. Very nice guy. As part of the challenges, uh, I, I went to a leadership academy over the weekend, and one of the challenges was to draw your name mm. in pictures. And he tried to draw hands praying and Superman, so it was Amen. But he did a really bad job, so no one got it. Hieroglyphs? Hieroglyphs would have worked. I kind of did hieroglyphs. Hieroglyphs would work. I was quite proud of mine, yeah. actually. So I did, see if you can get this, I did a picture of a hen. Well, actually, um, you, you'll obviously get it. And I do know your name, so. Yeah, it was a picture of a hen and a picture of a basketball and then an arrow, uh, or like a kind of swapping round oh, arrow. Oh, I like them, it. I which, like it, yeah. But I do have a, a way to bring this back. Mm. Father George Rutler pastor of the St. Michael the Archangel Church on West 34th Street in New York said the state of the Catholic Church in Ireland was a warning to Catholics in the United States and that he also said that Druids danced in the street when abortion was legalised and I love the idea that this American just Druids danced in the street yeah he just thought that a load I... of Druids <laughs> ran out of the woods and were dancing on presumably they ran out of the woods and then all the way into Dublin and into the other cities and just started dancing because abortion mm. was legalised because we all know how much Druids really cared about women having a choice over their own bodies I guess mm -hmm. So yeah, there you go, bringing it back to, to liturgy. Now you have to link on the next story using druids somehow. Okay. <laughs> no okay. pressure. Challenge accepted. <laughs> no pressure. Um, I think we'd all consider the uh, the old gods to be the gods of the druids, right? Yes. Saturn's moon, called Titan, like a super duper old set of gods with the Greeks. Yes. Has hydrocarbon lakes. As in lakes of oil. Yep. Oh, I just saw the American spaceship blasting off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if there was ever a reason that was going to make Trump fund, not give NASA more funding. Yeah. So there is there is a caveat to the story in that we kind of knew that there were hydrocarbon lakes there, methane, methane ones already. Yeah. But they've disappeared. They've disappeared. The methane, they've disappeared. The methane's floated away? No one's really sure. They think they evaporated due to either heat or, or maybe frozen into, have been frozen over or something. But um, they've ceased to be visible. And these are the, mo the on Titan. Mm. Is it 
do you think it's one of those it's, where because that, that presumably takes so long to orbit the sun that when it gets closer to the mm-hmm. sun they evaporate and then when and then they re-solidify or re-liquefy when they get further away from the sun and it just takes because of however long they take to yeah. orbit the sun it, yeah it does seem to be a seasonal thing so it's it's come out of um you may remember cassini um yes cassini i remember cassini. rattling off recently yes um that's the scientific term <laughs> for becoming defunct. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's actually analysis of the Dis- Cassini um, spacecraft's data. Wow, that's so really that's, cool. Yeah. Well, there you go. We've got NASA's funding secured for the next few years at least. Yeah, just don't tell anyone that the lakes are phantom. <laughs> that would like, be awkward <laughs> if they got there. <laughs> Suddenly realised they weren't there anymore. I, I have a question for you, Jack. Oh, okay. Do you think uh, an artificial intelligence can be a fair judge in court? Depends what you mean by fair. Um, As in they will apply the letter of the law without bias or any other uh, interference being in their judgment, and they will just apply the letter of the law. They could be. doesn't mean they will be. Um, (laughs) And I think letter is probably a lot easier than spirit as well. Although maybe, yeah, I mean, providing you've got like case notes from the last, from like the last hundred years or whatever for it to look over and absorb while you're training whatever kind of neural net you're using, you're probably okay. I'm not sure they will uh, because this is happening in Estonia, which is uh, about 1.3. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, For, our, for I'm sure our many, many American listeners mm. um, who may not be familiar with Estonia, uh, it's a country, tiny country, about 1.3 million Russia. people. It's not Russia. It's not Russia, and uh, they definitely don't like to be confused with the Russians. Um, one of my favourite facts mm. about Estonia is that they sung themselves free from the Soviet Union um, back in the 1990s, 1980s. I'm mm. not quite sure of the date. But they kind of found their niche in internet companies. If I'm not mistaken, Skype started out as a Estonian company. Yeah, I think transfer-wise as well. Yes, I think you're right. And they are big into um, their technology and, and internet and uh, have some of the... I think they have the fastest internet in, in Europe. But they have... The, the government has a chief data officer who is 28 years old, which is quite impressive. And uh, he wants the government to be as lean as possible. So he is using uh, AI to streamline services and feels that he could uh, it could be applied to courts. Uh, at the moment, I think it's only going to be rolled out into small claims courts, and it's going on a on a trial run. If they can get it, um, mm. if they can get it passed, so yeah, they're going to start off with a uh, with a pilot. But if it works, then uh, you know this the, you could have an AI deciding whether you have to pay your your parking ticket or not. You know, along the lines of those ones where someone tries to declare their house a separate country and mm. then tries to join the EU or something like that. I think I would love to do that. I would love to. I would love to declare my house independent. What currency would you use, though? You'd have to go back to a barter state. Yeah, we we could just exchange pasta. <laughs> I'm looking at our pasta jars at the moment. Do you have a lot of pasta? I'd say we've got a middling amount. <laughs> Although that being said, there are like not too much. There are, I think, San Antonio, Andorra, and Vatican City are all technically countries, and Monaco are all technically countries that. Mm use the euro even though they're not even in the european union and they all apply by all the european union rules they've always struck me as a bit of a yeah i don't understand 
why I think they're listed as microstates. Yeah, but Monaco is and Liechtenstein and places like that are, are still countries, and I'm sure very proud countries with wonderfully mm. rich cultural heritage. But it just strikes me as really weird that they were because they're, they're old countries as well. It's not like someone went in, you know, 1990. You know what? I'm going to start my own country and make it a tax haven for a lot of rich people. They've obviously, <laughs> they've obviously existed for a long, long time. Mm. And uh, like France is responsible for the defense of Monaco, even though Monaco presumably attracts a huge amount of their rich people and then charges them no tax and just lets them gamble and have parties on yachts mm. and things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about, I don't know much about Monaco or where Liechtenstein came from. Um but I know that Vatican City is not super old as a country, like in its current form. And then at the beginning of the last century, Mussolini was all like, I'm going to give the Pope his own stuff, just just a bit of Italy back, because I want him on side for this thing that I'm planning. I love that you're calling one of the most significant events of the 20th century the thing. I, th- I think people will get what we're talking about, <laughs> won't they? I imagine so, I imagine so. So, And if not, write in. Write in, yes. We're going to have a Twitter and a Facebook and a Reddit and a Bebo and a MySpace mm. and a Carrier Pigeon. If you do station. get it, don't write in. <laughs> no, write in. E- engagement is what drives growth, mm. I think. And goats. And goats as well. You know, actually, mm. I did... If you engage with a goat, they run. If you engage with a goat, they run. They do. Yeah. What about the fainting goats? They just faint. No, no, no. I mean, engage like you give them a ring. <laughs> they just eat it, probably, wouldn't they? They've been known to eat tin cans. Yeah. yeah, and then they run away. And then they run away. Warning to all of you who want to give your heart to a goat: don't do it. Yeah, They'll just leave you in leave pieces. You in pieces. I do have a, a fact about Liechtenstein that I really wanted to get in. Is that I think they've only ever fought in one war, and they had an army of eleven men. Um, <laughs> When they left, when they came back, they had something like 19 because they made some friends. So they're the only army in history that went to war and came back with a surplus of men rather than a loss. That That's amazing. That's an absolutely amazing fact. Uh, I, I don't know when this was. I think this this was probably in the early 20th century. I think they might have gone to, to fight some Nazis and just found some uh, like English tro- soldiers or French soldiers who were deserting or got lost. And they just thought, oh, we'll join Liechtenstein. Mm. That sounds like fun. And so they did. So yeah, uh, interesting yeah. country. Uh, definitely somewhere I'd like to to go and look, just to say that I've been there. I also would love to have that. Apparently, you can rent mm. the whole place for a night because it's only like nine thousand people. Yeah, wasn't wasn't there a rapper who tried to do this? Like, tried to rent the whole country for a video shoot or something? Yes, yeah, I'm pretty sure there was. Yeah, and it's not. It's it's several million euros, but you know there are people out there who could afford mm. it fairly easily. But like. Who do you phone up to say I want to rent this country? I think the it's not he's not called a Grand Duke. There's only I think Luxembourg is the only Grand Duchy left in Europe, but there is a prince uh-huh. maybe it's a prince of Liechtenstein. There is definitely they're still run by a royal family member who who I presume is the man you go and talk to. Mm. I don't know if he has his phone number like <laughs> up on his website or anything. <laughs> he probably delegates to be honest, he probably delegates event management like that to someone in his in his staff. Mm. Maybe the butler does it or something, but yeah, uh, presumably you go and speak to the royal family and they give their permission or not. What's a Liechtenstein accent like? 
I've never, I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak on like radio. I guess across between Swiss and not Swiss. <laughs> are, are you also struggling to picture the other borders? Because I am. <laughs> well, no, because I'm pretty sure it borders Switzerland, Austria, and maybe a little bit of Germany. But the Swiss already speak a weird version of German. So I imagine, and I honestly don't know the the regions or the accents well enough to be able to say, oh yeah, it'd probably be a Western Austrian accent mixed with a high German Swiss accent. Mm. So I honestly couldn't tell you, but now my life's ambition is to meet someone who... Meet a Lichtensteiner, which I presume is what they're called. For some reason, I am imagining like a really, really accentuated Swedish accent. Why Swedish? I... Are you just thinking of the Muppet Chef? Yeah, that's exactly who I'm thinking of. Is that just your default for every European accent that you don't know? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's what got that's what got me this far. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually I remember watching a video of um, this this guy who spoke 11, 11 languages and was going to Oxford mm. to study two more, but he spoke Dutch and Afrikaans, and he said they sounded more distinct to him than, I think it was something, it was something really like Greek and Italian sounded mm. more similar to him than Dutch and Afrikaans, and it wasn't the vocabulary, it was the tone, it was something like the, the Dutch come across in a very... Uh, I, I honestly can't remember what words he mm. used, but it's something like they're very laid back, whereas Afrikaans is very uh, fast paced and very urgent. Mm. It, it was it was some kind of thing like that, but uh, it just really surprised me because obviously you know, Afrikaans is is practically Dutch in a lot of ways, but according to him, they sounded very very different. Whereas other languages, it was two other languages that you'd think, oh, they wouldn't really be that similar, but apparently he could uh, he he could very easily get mixed up between the two of them i mean it makes sense with like the distance involved like south africa is yeah. quite a long way now that i live abroad i kind of wince when i hear british accents i wince when i hear most of them except my own because i'm a horrifically arrogant snob uh including like, i lived in yorkshire for a while mm. and didn't do not like most yorkshire accents uh i'm from over mm. near manchester and uh, and liverpool and i don't like the Liverpool accents, I should say, because I think there's, mm. there's a few around there. I hate the northeastern accents like Geordie and, uh, and Mackham and things like that. But southern accents, where I've never lived, and I'm not a <laughs> southerner, but I actually, I, I, mm. I can tolerate those accents. I quite like those I... accents. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a See, terrible I quite person. like the Yorkshire accent. I think, I think it's quite nice, but I do wince when I, I wince when I hear like English in general abroad. But as soon as I'm back in the UK, I'm all like, oh yes, this is, this is where the accents are and this is where they should stay and they should never leave do you wince when you hear the accent or do you just wince when you hear what they're saying because they're normally saying something imagine uh, uh they're normally saying something like get me another beer or or, or something equally because a lot of the english people you find abroad or the people english people you notice abroad are very loud oh, yeah but lager then loud, i'd be wincing when i heard word. americans speak as well Oh no, Americans! I always, I always find funny. It's great. You get a lot of them over here, as you can imagine, trying to track down their their families, and uh, it's just hilarious. Do you get more Americans or Brits? I've noticed the Americans more. I don't think mm. you get many Brits. Man, we've completely digressed from. So I, I think mm. our conclusion here is that Liechtenstein is a strange country, <laughs> and if you're in Estonia, Estonia—that's uh, what we were talking make about. Sure that, <laughs> 
Yeah, I, but I did want to bring up a wider point about this, yeah. actually, because there's obviously, there's been a lot in the, the, the news, uh, well, the news recently about the fact that we can't really have, as much as AI is meant to be purely logical and devoid of emotion and external influence, unfortunately, the way they're built and created, they learn They learn from... by example. And if the example is biased, then they'll be biased. Yeah, and they're typically written by middle-class white programmers as well, which mm. have their own biases. And, you know, a lot of these are, are unconscious. Um, I, I imagine there are AIs out there that have been programmed to be deliberately racist, but uh, I imagine a lot of them aren't deliberately, but they're just... They don't take into account the the numerous and diverse factors affecting so many different people's lives, and so that is a a major problem. So I think that was the the big worry I had about a judge uh, or an AI judge is that you know if the person who's programming it kind of thinks that poor people should just save money or work harder, then that's probably not the best thing for an AI to have as its background when it's making judgments on people, you know, for, for petty crime and, and parking I think a lot of it, things. it's going to depend on the culture of the individual country as well. Say, Esto I, I have no idea how Estonians in general feel about parking fines, um, but I can imagine that they might collectively have a slightly different view on parking fines to, say, the way South Africans feel about parking fines, because they haven't had a whole lot of cultural um overlap over the last century um and the car's not been around for much longer than that so yeah i I can imagine that the individual country needs a, a different set of cases to be training its ai on because that's that's basically how it learns it just gets like a bunch of problems and then if it gets them all right then they're all like yay here have another hundred well, that was the the other issue because Estonia, I think uh, Estonia is a fairly young country. The culture's been around for a long, long time, but the the state as it is is a fairly young country. I don't know whether they use Russian Soviet case law, uh, but even if they do, that's obviously a very different mm. system to to what they're under now. And again, the risk that we've seen going back is, uh, you know, I, I, they probably use a civil law system, so it's not as based on case law as the common law systems yeah. are, like the UK and Ireland and, and the USA. But I imagine even if, you know, I, I it'd be terrifying for an AI to use uh, British past case law because, uh, you know, gay yeah. marriage wasn't a thing. And uh, typically, given it was stuffy old white judges and still is, uh, that's again going to have a lot of bias coming in uh, from there. And uh, the last thing I want is an AI talking like quoting latin at me when he's telling me he's gonna throw me in jail for six months yeah so i i think at the moment they're using it to they they're using it to streamline simple parking uh ticket cases and things where you know it's very much the facts are the, the facts are the facts and it's really whether the person can bring and like has an actual case for an appeal and i don't think it's going you know even if there is a mistake it's not going to be the end of the world i'm hoping it doesn't expand into you know deciding whether i don't think estonia has the death penalty anymore i'm pretty sure they don't but uh, i hope it doesn't end up going to you know texans adopting it so that they can send more people to the chair quicker and have it as kind of a no robot did it it's unassailable it can't be appealed because that's kind of the the slippery slope that uh that, uh, that i'd be tentatively worried about but it is very cool and i think estonia is a very cool country that it is when so many places are 
you know, uh, in Ireland and in the UK, we're still buried under bureaucracy and uh, and paperwork and things like that for the government. It's great to see a country where I'd love to just go and just be like, yes, I can vote on my phone and I can sort out all my health care on my phone and I can do my taxes on my phone and everything is just automatic and streamlined and done really, really I efficiently. Mean, and it would yeah, just be it, really, really nice. Germany basically has this. Really? Yeah, a lot of... Still need to visit Germany. Never been to Germany. Oh, we need I, we need to I, make a trip out of this. I'm I'm sure you you react with shock and horror every single time this comes up. I think you're still just amazed that I haven't actually been. So yes, mm. I still haven't been. Berlin has been recommended to me by by yourself and so many others Berlin, so many times, amazing. and is definitely on my my to do list. But I've uh, the closest I got I spent I must have I think I drove through it on a school trip. Mm. No, we probably drove through France, actually. I'm not sure if we ever actually got made it through Germany. But I also spent about half an hour there in Munich Airport running between flights because I was going to Belgrade and Serbia. Oh, so, there you yeah, go. I've been you've to been, Serbia. You've been to Germany. You've been to Munich <laughs> Airport. You've been to, it's like I've been to Turkey because I've been in Istanbul Airport. But I didn't do anything in Munich Airport. Like I, I didn't even get to you stop and ah. like look at the, the shops or anything. It was literally running from one plane to the next. Okay, well, we're going to go back to uh, an AI story now. (laughs) No, not quite. We're going back to AI because uh, as as I think this is a very, in fact, we probably should have done that. This could have been such a good tangent or or, or segue, uh, but we talked about actual segues instead. So this is still kind of a segue from the segue. Did you know in 1396, Vaduz, the southern region of Liechtenstein, gained imperial immediacy? What does imperial immediacy mean? It became subject to the Holy Roman Empire alone. Where was the rest of Liechtenstein ruled by? Uh, good question. Different houses with German names like Habsburg. Fair enough. And Zaringa and Savoy. Very good. Yeah. Can I talk about AI now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this story is actually it's a little bit uh, a little bit old, but mm. you probably heard about Google forming a- an AI ethics council because obviously a lot of people I did concerned. not hear about this. Okay, well, they decided to form an ethics board uh, to uh, of external advisors who would ensure that they are developing AI in, in an ethical way and aren't uh, kind of creating the next Skynet. And it was dissolved after, I think, about next. a week. Because one of the people they included was uh, Heritage Foundation President Kay Colds James, who has openly espoused anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. Oh, that's and bad. so a lot of people had an outcry. Yeah. But the thing I think is interesting here is surely what they're either... I suppose what Google could be accepting is that they will bow to pressure and they, they kind of just wanted to form this and have it go... They kind of get the credit and be mm. like, oh, yay, yeah, Google's doing something good and then just kind of get on with things. And obviously they didn't... I think there's so much negative publicity around it they clearly felt that they couldn't go on with this board. Mm. But I think it could also point to the fact that the world and, and certainly Google has kind of decided that being anti-LGBTQ, despite what the Sultan of Brunei thinks and mm. what a lot of countries in the around the world think, is simply unethical now. And I would completely agree yeah, with it's that. It's really America- nice that that's finally become a status quo, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, the USA still has a lot of people, a lot of you know, legitimate groups who espouse that kind of thing. They still have, mm. you know, pray the gay away camps, and they still have. Uh, it's still very unusual to have LGBT pol- politicians. I know the the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, 
whose name surname I can't pronounce Pete Pete Buttigieg I can't pronounce his surname uh, but he is uh, an openly gay mayor he is running for president in 2020 2020 2020 2020 yes he's, he's got a long he's giving himself a long lead in time no he's running secretly in, in AI he's <laughs> Secretly, well, that'd be good actually, because I think that's one thing that is underrepresented is uh, people from the LGBTQ background in or LGBTQ <laughs> and group. artificial intelligences. Uh, 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 yes, can I just say absolutely, and with with no offence, men, but <laughs> LGBTQIA plus, can you please come up with a term that just because it's it's a mouthful and. At the one time what are the extra had... letters for? I, I get what plus is, is just anyone else, right? Uh, no, le- lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, yep, with queer, the sofa. I, uh... inquisitive or inquiring, asexual, and then plus includes everything else or other minority sexualities. But, and I was having an argument about What's this with a friend. What's the difference between queer as opposed to gay and lesbian? I'm not I don't entirely actually know. sure. If I'm honest, I don't. It's... I don't know anything about this. Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't tell you, and mm. I don't want to try and make a guess okay. uh, for, for fear of offending uh, someone. But I, I'm kind of. I think I was having this argument with a friend not too long ago, mm. and I was kind of saying, you know what? Can we just move to the point where we don't need that? Can we just accept that people are people, and sexuality isn't really a thing? It's just you're attracted to who you're attracted to, and that should be fine. Like I don't like to call myself straight, even though I've only ever been attracted to women, because it's not that I've been attracted to a a sex it's mm. been attracted to specific people who all happen to have identified as female i suppose is the way i'm putting it and she um you know the person i was uh, kind of having a conversation with said well you know what you still need these groups because they are still a minority they are still oppressed and uh, uh receive a lot of prejudice um even within their their between the groups so it is really important mm. to have this group that is still fighting this activist group and i was like yeah fair enough but can they please have a name that is just easier to say because it's just especially when it, it misses out so much because you sometimes you see lgbt sometimes you see lgbtq sometimes you see lgbtai plus there just needs to be i think you know the, the, the a single um, umbrella term that is just uh, easier to say and that's probably a lot of people are going to get very angry at me but I'm sure there must be an inclusive word that we can come up with that that, that, that includes everyone who is from a, a, I suppose a, a, I think the correct term is minority sexuality and uh, that they can all kind of get behind because I just think that would really help their cause as well. I have a segue which is that calig which is like the Latin word for boot and the Latin diminutive for like any word is eula so caligula actually means bootykins 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 yeah like a diminutive form of of boots his name was actually wow. given to him after he was uh because he used to wear little uh military boots as a child that i think he was either dressed up in or just took a shine to but yeah wow so that's that's my caligula fact it <laughs> name actually means bootykins I like it. Yeah, thank I you. Like well, what was what was Emperor Caligula famous for again? Was he the mad one or one I of the mad ones? I think he was the one who who is apocryphally said to have uh, made a horse senator. But he he was he was kind of difficult to work with. Yeah, that's it. I think he made a horse senator. His favorite yeah. horse senator. I think that's why I'm familiar with his name. I have, I think, one more story. Is there anything else you want to? discuss do you have any more stories for no, us no not i'm 
I mean, we could talk about Liechtenstein some more. <laughs> I don't. Ha- I've not looked up Liechtenstein actually. I don't have any more Liechtenstein facts. I'm trying to think if I if I have any just off the top of my head, mm. and I honestly can't uh, c- can't think of any. Have you looked up some more? Well, you know, during the thing last century, Liechtenstein yeah. was officially neutral. How did it stay neutral? I mean, they had an army of eleven <laughs> men. I, I mean, uh, was it just that the Nazis didn't bother going there? I imagine or it was, was just it out of their way. Had no strategic significance. Uh, or they just they just forgot about it. <laughs> right, I, I actually have two more stories. Uh, there's one really quick one that I want to mention, mm. which is that, so as, uh, as we've had advances in rocket technology, um, they've started sending up multiple satellites at once. Oh, is this a micro-satellite story? Yes, so they did a launch of a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that had 64 satellites on it. And they sent it up and uh, everything went very well, except the Air Force sent up, I think, 12 of the... Um, or they sent up 19 mm. satellites, sorry. And they can't identify them because they didn't give them any... <laughs> they don't know which one is which because apparently they didn't give it a specific... Uh, what's the word, uh, serial number or anything. So they have 19 satellites up there and they know they're all up there and they're all working. They just don't know which one is which. If, if so they can't track them properly. That's such a wonderful mixture of success and total failure to plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a great mixture of like, oh yes, look what human beings can accomplish. Oh, whoops. <laughs> they're, they're just like they have these 19 satellites. Okay, we think we think that one belongs over to, to General What's-His-Name, and that one belongs to that company, but we're actually not sure. So are these, presumably, are these military satellites as well? Because that's amazing. No, I think I think <laughs> most of them are commercial satellites, and the Air Force are just the ones responsible for kind of keeping track of them. But, uh, th- I mean, there could be some military satellites in there as well. So someone is, you know, instead of getting WhatsApp messages, they're actually getting missile codes for... The, the nuclear arsenal hidden in in America somewhere, which is slightly terrifying. That, would be, that is terrifying. I remember reading recently that the U.S. military can t- controls like less than five percent of U.S. federal land. Like almost all of it is um, under the Parks Commission and the Bureau oh, yeah. of, and the Bureau of Land Management. I can I can well believe that when you actually look at, at America because it's just such a vast continent mm. it actually has very few people in it and it's not very built up at all I think in one of those Bill Bryson books that uh, that, that you were reading he says uh, that was back in the nineties or whenever it was but only two percent of America was actually classified as as built up so yeah I can well mm. imagine vast majority of it is just privately owned farms and uh, park like. The parks are just gigantic, so yeah, I can I can well imagine that. But my my last story, I think, is a really cool one. Yeah. It's Professor Damien Woods, who is from Monaghan, but is actually working at Maynooth University, and he Where's has Maynooth? helped create. Uh, Maynooth is in Kildare, just outside of Dublin. Okay. So it's, uh, and he has created a computer that uses DNA molecules. Um, no, sorry, he's created uh, he's created DNA molecules that can work together to perform the functions of a tiny computer oh that's nice like programmable molecules yeah so so rather than using 
transistors and diodes mm. uh, it uses it uses molecules and they've developed 21 algorithms that can perform a variety of tasks um so instead of like it doesn't have electricity flowing through it it's just uh, the strands of dna stick together in different ways in order to to enact the the tasks and kind of fulfill the the algorithms uh, and I, I really like this story partly because of the intro because it ties right back and the sad thing is i didn't have to google what dna stood for i knew it stood for deoxyribonucleic acid and that you're made random. entirely of it yeah. yeah, and that is one of the random facts that I remember from. Uh, I remember learning that in secondary school because yeah. there was a girl called Lauren who was really proud of the fact that she learned that, uh, and just kept saying it at every opportunity. I remember almost nothing about biology from school, like almost nothing. I remember thing like words like osmosis and phrases like crossing a semi-permeable membrane, but I don't. I don't have any like context for any of it. Um, <laughs> Well, what are you going to use biology for? I say, as we have the largest measles outbreak in decades because no one knows how vaccines work or doesn't believe that vaccines work. But I was going to end on a happy note. Let's go back to the tiny computer, the tiny DNA computer. That is kind that's of, good. Have you ever seen that GIF of like it's a protein that's walking up? What is it that what is it that proteins walk up? Proteins walk up protein stairs. That'll do. Made especially for proteins. I think we should sign off here. Please find us on Facebook. We are Not A Buffalo Podcast. And we're also on Twitter, Not A Buffalo Pod. You can find us on our website, notabuffalo.wordpress.com. Any comments or feedback would be greatly appreciated. And we look forward to seeing you all in the next episode. Take care.